Welcome back to Rankable. Oh my gosh, this is what this is exciting. I love talking e-commerce, international SEO. I am joined today by Lydia Infante, who is the senior SEO manager at Sanity.io. Big job switch. We'll talk about that uh, at the end, but she's been all over the place. I mean, she's been in-house at Big Commerce. She's doing the agency side with Rise at Seven. She has been all over. She has some really excellent articles that she's done on her own website all around. Uh, kind of doing some research on the gender gap in SEO publishing. Uh, I'm so excited to dive in. Thank you for joining me today, Lydia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's it's just, you know, you've been kind of spreading the good word of SEO, e-commerce, internationalization all over the place. And you've seen so many different types of sites. And today we're going to dive into e-commerce where, where Google, last, I mean, obviously the last like 5, 10, 15 years they've been doing stuff, but like in the last like year or two with the product reviews update and enhancements via mom on Google shopping, Google's been doing a lot in the e-commerce space. So just kind of set the stage. What, what have you been seeing in Google SERPs uh, when it comes to e-commerce and what direction do you think we're all going in? Oh, when, when Google started talking about shopping, when they started shopping ads, I think this was um, around the time where I was working, working in PPC, maybe two, 2014, I want to say. I might be wrong on that one, but I want to say 2014. Um, and it was extremely restrictive. The rules to be able to advertise in Google Shopping were a little bit crazy. I couldn't actually leverage it for the company that I was working at at the time because they didn't allow personalized products or bulk products, right? So oh, wow. I was working, yeah, yeah, it was it was really, really interesting. Um, and if you were selling 100 t-shirts, you needed to display 100 t-shirts on the image, right? And be super specific with the price, with shipping. It was something that that kind of custom order thing could not leverage. But um, I've been keeping an eye on it. And they've tried many different things. So we had the Google Shopping ads initially on the, right-hand column um, and it was somewhat discreet. It was like, it was very salient at the very beginning when they started doing that, but now they've started integrating, well now, it's been a few years now. Yeah. They started integrating the shopping ads on the top of the of the SERP page, right. um, just like they do with normal ads and just like you would with normal images. So it's looking more and more and more native. Um, and on top of that, well, Google started losing this top of the funnel searchers, right? Like informational search, starting to think about um, what product I want, comparison search. Um, they started losing it to other players, like Amazon is the most obvious one. Yeah. Um, and they are trying to leverage, I believe, they're trying to leverage their wider ec ecosystem um, by incorporating Google Lens and image search into their uh, model. And this is a bit of a copy of something that Pinterest started doing in, I want to say, 2017, 2018. Huh. Um, as you've said, I've been all like I've been everywhere, and I was working in editorial at the time, and I had the absolute privilege of having Pinterest, like Pinterest representative, come to speak to us and give us a training, and we could ask all of the questions on their ranking algorithm inside Pinterest, and so on, so on. Oh wow. Um, yeah, so be, even before you could buy products on Pinterest, it was already on the roadmap. They share that with us. Um, 
told us about how it was going to work and land search. So I believe Google is trying to go back to like recuperate all of those informational and um, commercial searches and then incorporate that type of visual technology onto their ecosystem so that they have a um, selling proposition for the user so that you actually want to shop with Google, right? It's so interesting. I mean, like, so they did Google I.O. They announced that they were integrating this multi-search with Google Lens and they claimed that Google Lens was being used 8 billion times per month. And I I was like skeptical. Like I, I reached out on the Twitter community and I said, you know, who, I don't use Google Lens, who uses it? And don't get me wrong. A lot of SEOs said, you know, whether it's for traveling, translation of signs or identifying mm-hmm. plants or even shopping. But like, do you do you think people are going to use Google Lens? Like, do you think it's a worthwhile venture by Google? I think it's yeah, I think it is. So my very first use of Google Lens, I was um, talking to you earlier about my trip to San Francisco was in San Francisco. I was trying to figure out where the pretty church was. Um, and I was like, oh, I, I kind of saw this thing on my Google Assistant. I think that's what it was. No, Google Now. It was called Google Now, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I brought it up and I did the the lens thing. And I it was just a random church. I don't even remember that right now. But uh, yeah, it's I've been using it since to be like, oh, I want these shoes. So I bought some light up shoes for my birthday. Oh, cool. Um, they, yeah, they show many colors. I actually have them here. This is not on video, but. Just for your personal delight. Oh my gosh! These okay, so we, I mean, we're publishing this on the bit on on the YouTube. So, oh really? So, yeah, yeah. So we'll definitely. I didn't know. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> these are my shoes. Um, so oh, those are so yeah, cool. Um, actually, I took a screenshot from a Taylor Swift documentary called Miss Americana by Netflix, and I was like, I want these shoes. Um, and I used Google Lens and I ended up on an Amazon US page that had expired, but had like other products to suggest to me. Um, so I bought these shoes. Aren't well, they the I mean, coolest shoes you've ever seen? They're the coolest shoes. And, and it's interesting too, because that you discover them because I've, you know, so I had a, a daughter, you know, uh, back in February. And so I've been using Google shopping constantly to find everything. And I, and I feel we were talking about this before too, is that I feel like Google shopping still sucks. It's still really hard to surface the types of products that you want. And, you know, they've tried to improve that to some extent with like the product review update, where at the very least they're trying to surface better review content, which I I would assume would surface better products. Do you feel like Google shopping has improved in the last like year? Do you feel like it has a ways to go? Like how can they improve it? Um, God, it's really hard to call because as it's as it's become popular, it's also gotten a little bit harder to distinguish what's good from what's bad, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really crap products coming up on the first positions of Google Shopping, and um, do they have good SEO? Like, why do you think they're getting surfaced? I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, it is a complicated complicated situation, right? Because um, Amazon. You've got product listings super structured in there, provided by the very own uh, sellers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you're supported by an entire ecosystem and also like um, 
because most most of us are subscribed to Amazon Prime, right? Aren't we all? Um, right. And Amazon Prime is a bit of a cult in the way that you've got a cost of exit, right? You've you've committed to this model that is convenient and that um, Amazon sort of becomes the homepage for your very first search when you need a product. Um, but then, I don't even know where I was going. Like you can do the shopping on Amazon itself and you save the shipping. In order to shift that consumer behavior onto something like Google Shopping, you need merchants to be providing the best type of information, structuring the right kind of way on all of the products. And then um, you also need to be able to provide a similar service or something that's going to make it worth, worth the exit cost versus shopping from Amazon, right? Versus shopping yes. on Prime. Which is which hard brings, to do. Exactly. And there's so much money there, especially during the pandemic when e-commerce and virtual sales like skyrocketed. You, you got to think that Google was thinking, well, there's so much opportunity to get involved in the transaction process, like in that funnel that to what, like, is it too late for them to capitalize it? Do they need to, to your point, to like compete with Amazon in terms of efficiency and the whole, like, you know, Amazon has the event advantage with all the logistics they provide for actually shipping. I mean, we saw with supply chain issues is like Amazon is still getting things on time. Yep. What do you, what do you think Google will do to compete? Or do you think it's just a matter of like, they're going to have to accept the fact that Amazon's the giant, they'll have to serve up Amazon listings and, you know, e-commerce products are not necessarily going to compete with their own, you know, descriptions in the same way that Amazon makes it so easy. I think it could go both ways. Like we've seen a, a very good example is restaurant bookings, right? We've seen um, the internet go from find the restaurant, go into the restaurant website or call them or email them to make a booking and, or now go online onto their website and make a booking. Now you can make some bookings on Google with, their partner, which is usually open table, I believe. Um, sometimes it's the fork, I want to say. Um, so you can action some stuff on Google without leaving Google, right? You also have got instant answers. So you can action, like you can learn what you want from Google. You can use converters, uh, currency converters, unit converters, calculators. Um, Google Translate, it's no longer on a separate site. It's on the search. So... Google is trying to more and more solve your query and your problem on the search page, right? right? But the very thing that made Google Google and became the, the monster and like the monopoly that it is right now was an excellent search algorithm. And I think if they focus on becoming an excellent search algorithm for products, um, instead of trying to compete with Amazon, they, they would win, right? Um, that is because Google will recuperate these informational and commercial uh, commercial queries, um, this top of the funnel queries, um, which would power their ads machine, which we all know. Um, but yeah, they have the Google Lens to add to it and they can actually accumulate all of the products on the web. Amazon can only serve you Amazon's products. Right. Exactly. There's there's opportunity there, I feel like, for e-commerce where it is not necessarily a wild west, but like we said, Google Shopping is not necessarily as refinable and as great as it could be, but it will very soon. So if you are um, 
an e-commerce site and you have all of these products and maybe you're doing well on Amazon, but there's a, a gap on like your SEO, what are some of like the key opportunities that you would identify for e-commerce to make sure you're maybe like, what can get you to show up in Google shopping? Good God, I have no idea. I believe Is it all data like structured an, data? I think there's an, an structured data and an API that you can plug into to provide your feed of products onto Google Shopping. At least there was when there was um, when I was working on shopping ads. Um, and I imagine, and I think I read a while back, that for organic, it can be the same. Mm. So it's probably all about that sweet, sweet schema. Yeah, it's it's weird that they're not more transparent considering they're they're trying to get more people to, you know, use e-commerce, obviously with the investment of like Google Lens and multi-search and mom and all that, that they're not more transparent of like how you can show up in organic shopping results. And, you know, I, we were just talking before recently about uh, Cindy Crumb's entity first indexing um, presentation at Semrush. And she was showing the SERPs about how you're seeing, whether it's desktop or mobile, even for non-commercial types of queries, you're seeing more and more commercial mm-hmm. results come up. Yes, 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 yes. I feel like that's a, we're being a little bit like for sped products, even when we're not looking for products, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like this is familiar to me from previous iterations of Google trying out shopping. And I don't really know where this is going to end, but it is interesting to me that um, Pinterest and Amazon and Etsy, even Etsy, can be like second tier search engines, right? Yes. So. Having your products on Etsy, Amazon, or Pinterest can surface them along with your own listings on the SERPs, which gives you like another position, more real estate within all of those pages. And Pinterest, Amazon, and Etsy have gotten have gotten kind of serious into refining their own um, search algorithms and ordering algorithms for their listings. So that's something really, really interesting to me. And Etsy actually, I believe they announced an update to their listings algorithm this week. And they're going to, they're speaking about keywords. They're speaking about, well, it's like Google, but like 10 years ago. It's really interesting because when you go on the Etsy search guide, they have a very thorough guide, very explicit, like have your keyword in the title, have your keyword here, introduce it naturally. So don't don't be so forced with it. And um, <laughs> oh, it's giving me flashbacks and I really, really like it. Um, so I recommend anyone who's um, listening to this, go check out um, Etsy's search guide. And uh, it's really interesting. I do think it's going to end up as a very mixed model, right? Um, there might be some niche cases in which Google could potentially create a similar experience to Prime. Um, my bet would be like they would do that and then kill it. As we've seen, there's a there's this Twitter account called Killed by Google. That's quite <laughs> funny. Of have you seen it? It's all of the companies that Google buys and then they go to die somewhere, or projects that Google starts and then they go to die. Um, I imagine Google Plus is going to be in that graveyard. But um I wonder if yeah, there's one for be. Amazon because you hear the same thing about Amazon these days of like they do that weird mix and match where they'll buy a bunch of brands and you won't know that they're Amazon brands anymore or they're building their own. And so it's like it feels more insidious than what Google does. Like yeah. 
Google buys them and then they just disappear. Amazon like keeps them going, but they're like Amazon products all of a sudden without any Amazon branding. Yes, exactly. Like Audible, for example. Exactly. exactly. There's a there's a thing that Google killed that like literally broke my heart. There used to be a thing called a Project Ara. Um, it was a modular buildable phone that went by, like it went viral a few times, right? Mm-hmm. Online. Because it was like eco-friendly and if you want more battery, you just swap out the battery model. If you want a bigger screen, you swap out the screen and the structure. Um, And I recently got an ad for a phone that like you can buy right now. I've forgotten the name, but someone has made it, right? And Project Ara started independently and got bought by Google and then got killed. Um, And I never got my Ara phone and I was like obsessed. I was watching it. I was going on their homepage like monthly. Um, They'd be like, yeah, we're releasing it on Q3 of whatever year this was. Um, And there were like prototypes that they showed. Never got an Ara phone. It's so, it's so funny. Like that whole, that whole kind of culture of like, like Kickstarter, where you find a project that you're obsessed with. And like so many of them never make it all the way across the finish line. Like I had a similar one with this little, it's called tidbit. And it's this little like pixelated, um, like kind of, it can hit up any API and generate information, but like you can do like Slack emojis or baseball scores or just photos that are pixelated. And, and it just looks really retro and really cool, but it took them like three months to actually deliver because of so many supply chain issues, but I actually got one. I'll, I'll, I'll include a picture on, on the, uh, the write-up of this, but I can, I, we can go all over the place with this. I do want to bring it back before we get to the, the rank uh, rapid fire ranking, which is, so from an e-commerce standpoint, your perspective is like, with all these different search engines of Amazon and Etsy and, you know, if like niche ones. So if you're like in furniture, like Wayfair, or if you're in electronics, Best Buy, your goal is almost to not just worry about Google. You want to optimize for every single one. So you can show up as many times as possible for your category. Yes, 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 exactly. So that's like kind of like shameless promo. Sanity can help you with this. Um, Yeah, yeah, of course. Because like if you treat... If you get all of the content for your products, all of the microdata, all of the schema prepared and ready to go, um, you can deploy it on any, like basically any medium, right? So you can deploy your products onto Amazon, onto Etsy. You can make sure that you connect onto the Google Shopping API um, and have it all like neat, tidy, and sexy, and you only optimize once. Um, so that is something that that is a potential, right? With um, headless CMS and Jamstack. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, so Sanity is, is a headless CMS. It's kind of one of those upcoming brands to like really keep an eye on in the space because you're doing some really cool feature stuff, especially with yeah making uh, structured data as accessible as possible, which isn't always the case with, you know, a lot of CMSs. It's like, you have to use a plugin here and plug in there. So. Yep. Yeah. Very it's, cool. it's very flexible. It's something that I like. And it's something that I quite like that big commerce as well. You could connect to different providers. Um, it was really cool. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear more about it as you kind of like get more integrated with with the team over there. I know it's brand new, but let's. What, what do you say? You want to do? <laughs> Don't some, ask some... me difficult questions. <laughs> I know it's like the first thirty days. It's like the first thing is you got to learn that product inside and out, and it's like when it's a. Uh, uh, like a, a fire hose of information. It's just like, you're just soaking it all up, but to be able to synthesize it, it's, it takes time. Where, are you ready for some okay. rapid fire ranking in the SEO world? I am ready for the rapid fire.
Okay, so here we go. Rapid fire, Lee Infante. We're going to ask her all about her favorites up and down the board. But let's start non-SEO. One, one quick easy one is rank your three top favorite things. It can be hobbies. It could be food. It could be whatever. What are your three top favorite things? Go. Chocolate, very mm. first thing, especially if it's Nutella. Um, Cross-stitching is my maybe second favorite thing. That's really lame. And my cat. I, those are absolutely amazing things. Cross-stitching really made a comeback. Okay, so in your whole career, Yeah, I think you can best... see it in the background. <laughs> those, oh, those are all you. Those are awesome. You yeah. know, okay. Real small story. In fourth grade, I had a, a Danish elementary school teacher who taught us all cross-stitching, and I'll never forget <laughs> it. We made little, like, drummer, like, Danish drummer men. Anyway. Okay, next up, rank your career best SEO marketing win. Go. Um, I designed and deployed a content strategy, a strategy for a huge American brand that I cannot name because um, of NDAs. And um, it was projected to receive 114 million visits. Um, I don't work with them anymore because they were uh, when I was at Rise 7 with the agency but it was really impressive and we could see them going up like crazy. Oh, that's so satisfying, those types of results. Okay, rank oh, yeah. your top three SEO tools. Go. SEMrush. Um, SEMrush, OnCrawl, Content King. Oh, those are good ones. It's gonna be very interesting with Content King with them getting bought by Conductor. Like, what's gonna to happen to that tool? I hope they keep it as is. Yeah, uh, I love okay. them. Yeah, there's a, it's such a smart idea. Rank your best SEO trick or tactic. Like, in the weeds, what's your best SEO tactic? Um, this one's stolen from Crystal Carter at the Women in Tech SEO Fest. She talked to us about optimizing profile people pages for EAT conversions and rankings. And it's a crazy strategy. It's very, very good. It's out there in the internet. Maybe I can like send you a link so that it's in the show notes, but um, incredible. I recommended this to a business that I don't directly consult with. I just kind of like them and I send them advice. Um, and I've seen them grow their traffic by 40%. Just I, saw, I saw it on your own website. You do, you do it. You've got all your different hits. Okay, rank your. What do you love most about SEO? Number one. It perfectly combines creativity, data, and people. Ooh, that's good. That's good. You should put that on like your your Twitter bio. Okay, rank your best learning SEO resource. Um, LearningSEO.io by Alida Salis. Oh, Definitely. so comprehensive, so comprehensive. Rank the top one to three SEOs or marketers that you most look up to or respect. Um, Lazarina Soy. So she good. is a freaking amazing technical genius. And she also always offers a way to implement all of her findings through templates or um, Google Data Studio dashboards. Um, Rebecca Vervel from OnCrawl. Mm -hmm. um, she is crazy and uh, amazing, and she revolutionized the way that I think about projecting uh, projections and um, assessing SEO results. Um, and lastly, Arish Avoli, because of all of the amazing, fabulous work she's done to push women forward in the industry. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Three amazing women. Um, Definitely follow them all if you don't already on Twitter. And finally, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote. Women in Tech SEO. I would say uh, since we are in an SEO podcast, just go um, amplify the work that women in the industry are doing. Um, It's something they're very committed with because we are often overlooked and I just love, love, love some of the stuff that's being produced. Like every every Thursday, I do a wrap up of the best content by women in uh, in the week. It's called the hashtag SEO women thread. Um, and it's, it's so much work to read all of that because they make a lot of content. They make crazy amounts of content. Um, and it's all spectacular. And I have to try and keep it like, I have a maximum of 10 and I only keep like, the best of the best, innovative stuff, not nothing repetitive, nothing just because the author is a woman, woman is there. Um, and it's just so good. The quality is so high. It's crazy. Yeah. Not to, like week after week, whether it's like articles or interviews or tools or communities, like there's so many um, great pieces. I love that thread that you do. For uh, those of you who aren't familiar uh, with Lydia, definitely follow her on Twitter. You are an amazing um, follow, always talking SEO, but also just fun in general. Is, is Twitter oh, yeah. the best place to find you or, or where's the best place to find you online? It is, it is. It's um, at Lydia Infante M. Um, on Twitter and um, just expect some shit posting combined with SEO stuff. I just tweeted about why I think socks are a cult. Um, and then I followed up the tweet with like, I would make a pic, I would post a picture to prove a point, but I'm not that dumb. Pictures of feet on the internet are not free. Um, and John Mueller liked it and I'm like, <laughs> Don't think of me in this way. Yeah, like how do you even take no, but I I you know it's funny that I and I responded to your to your tweet with uh oh, well, you did? I, oh well I, I quote tweeted you. I was like, you know, if you want to start debating debate in the US, I actually first off, I am pro socks. I don't understand this this no socks idea, but in the US, wearing socks to bed is the debate. There are people okay. who you who need to wear socks to bed to go to sleep and then others who under no circumstance and I am in that camp. I am a no sock in bed camp, but No, um, not, no socks in bed. Things. Apparently it's a thing. It's a thing. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for being my guest, Lydia. So much great. Thank you for having me. It's so Absolutely. Fun. Yeah. And check out Sanity. Uh, it's, you know, an upcoming CMS headless uh, tool for to host your website and, um, you know, really obviously maximize your SEO. Uh, Lydia, excited to see what you do there. My name is Garrett Sussman. This has been the Rankable Podcast, and we will see you next week. Thanks, you all, for listening. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our channel, check it out on YouTube, and share with the world because the world wants more SEO, wants more Lydia. Bye bye.